0: Children's Church, you can be dismissed at this time. Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Back into the book of Hebrews. Uh, you'll get a break next week. Uh, Dr. Shook, Pastor Shook, will be bringing the message. So I uh, hope you guys will all be front and center. We're going to varnish Varners are taking a little much-needed R&R this week. Uh, pray for us as we're away and uh, hopefully rec- recoup a little bit. Uh, Also, if you would, go ahead and add to your prayer list. Some of you guys, I am going to learn to sympathize and empathize uh, with your struggles. I am scheduled for a knee surgery January the 19th, so pray for that. It's only two years past due, but uh, some of you young guys remember when Pastor Varner had his career-ending injury, but who knows? Maybe we'll find our way back at age 50, but anyway. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we are beginning a chapter that is no doubt the most known chapter in all of Hebrews. Uh, When you think about the great hall of faith, as it's been referred to oftentimes, uh, it's been the subject of many short devotionals and our daily breads and his praise and so forth and so on. But we want to look at this in the big-picture context, and this is one of the reasons I love doing the book study. Um, I recognize because you only get to chew on it bit by bit on Sunday. Hopefully you're chewing on it throughout the week, and I know many of you are. But I can say for myself personally in the study time, when I'm going through chapter 11, there are things that are coming back to remembrance from chapter 2. There are things that when I read this section... draws me back to chapter 6, and, and then there's this that was just previously in chapter 10. And, and so you get the full picture idea, which is what we're supposed to do when we study the Word of God. We're supposed to see it in its whole, in its entirety. And so hopefully that'll be the case as we begin to unpack uh, Hebrews 11. With that said, we have a morsel bite today, uh, verses 1 through 2. Wow. Pastor, can we handle this? I mean, is there the possibility? Don't even think it. All right. Well, let's see what we can get done this morning. You'll notice in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony now lest you think i'm going to stop there i'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter because we want the full context that we'll only focus on those first two let's continue our reading by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible by faith abel offered to god a more excellent sacrifice than cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness of God the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. <coughs> And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them." By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection still others had trial of mockings and scourgings yes and of chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sewn in two were tempted were slain with the sword they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves on the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Heavenly Father, I pray You will give me wisdom to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray that I would do so in Your power and that the preaching of Your word would be understood and received and that, Lord, You would create within us that hunger and thirst to persevere for Your name's sake. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So... I read all that because in order to understand what's going on in the full context, you have to read all that. Simply put, in order to fully appreciate chapter 11, we have to do a bit of a recap. So, look if you would back to chapter 10. And I want you to begin your reading, following along, in verse 36. Because this gives us the context of what the writer's just been saying. This gives you the context of why he is writing this to the people who are receiving this. He says, verse 36, for you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You see, the writer in in the context, because chapters and verses come a lot later, he's been pleading with his audience because persecution has, has arisen. He's just told them that they need to recall the early days when they stood alongside of those who were persecuted. They had confidence in Christ. They had confidence, and he's just made this account how uh, for the first ten chapters he's been making that argument. Christ is superior. Christ is greater. That's why you need to hold strong, anchor to your faith and trust in what Christ has done for you, who He is and what He's done on your behalf. Don't go back into Judaism. Endure perseverance of the saints, what we talked about last time. And the just shall live by faith. And so now, lest they still are struggling with wanting to go back into the Old Testament and follow the the paths of their forefathers, he says, okay, you good Jews, let me give you some examples and some illustrations from the Old Testament, from your forefathers. And all chapter 11 is, picture it this way when you're reading through it, all chapter 11 is, is a long illustration. It's an extended illustration of what he has been talking about. He has laid this account about Christ being superior. Christ is the great high priest. Christ is the only way. And now he's moving in the middle part of chapter 10 into some practical example application as to how this fleshes out. And so he's reminding them that the just shall live by faith. So, notice if you would... This question. We all have faith. The question is, in in what? Every man who walks this planet has faith in something or someone. You say, well, the atheist doesn't. Yes, he does. His faith is that there is no God. He is banking on that. He can't prove that. Ask the atheist you meet to prove to you God doesn't exist. Give you solid proof. No matter how many arguments or evidence anyone puts forth for what they believe, hear me on this one, no matter how much evidence or arguments people put put forth in what they believe, you always come to a stopping point where there must be a step of faith to make the final connection. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, he's going to go into, in the first argument he makes, and we're not going to unpack this today, but he he makes the appeal to the beginning of time and, and the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And so what comes to the surface automatically is the argument of evolution versus creation. And we know prevalent today and accepted as fact is evolution. But even if you were to embrace fully the evolutionary model, at some point you trace back to, in the beginning, what caused things to Big Bang. In the beginning, what caused things to go in motion. By the way, in the beginning, then if you hold to that model, where do the materials that are now materials come from? So you either believe there was nothing, poof, then there's something. Guys, I'm not that smart. Maybe you should watch your smart TV now to get smarter. I'm not that smart, but I'm pretty confident nothing has never created something, and it never will. Nothing never creates something. It never will. So you either have to come to a point as far back as you want to go, That something has always been. Now, you can make the argument that the universe has always been. That the material has always been there. But where did the material come from? Right? I mean, we we know this. And this is how they spin it on you and say, well, who created God? Right? That's what they'll say. Well, if you believe God created everything, well, who created God? Now, again, legitimate argument, legitimate question. But doesn't it make a lot more sense, just, just using our logical brains... That material, just plain material, doesn't give us design and order that we see around us in in every way, shape, or form. The more we get with the microscope and the discover of DNA and intelligent design is screaming. It makes more sense that something, someone, intelligent, was all existent not just the created everything in its beautiful order you've got to exercise faith at some point either you go way back and you exercise faith that nothing created something but I think it's a lot more logical I think it's a lot more coherent to believe that something created something because something can create something nothing cannot create something something can create something And that something is a someone, and that is God Almighty. My point is this. We all have faith. The question is, in what? If you believe Muhammad, you believe Allah is the only God, well, then your faith is in that. Your faith is anchored that that is true. If you believe the way of Buddha, your faith is in those teachings. Your faith is in that is the way. If you're agnostic, you believe there's a higher power, but you just don't know. But your faith is in that. If you're atheist, we said your faith is in there's no God. Guys, everyone has faith, but your faith is only as good as the object in which your faith is in. Let me say that again. Your faith is only as good as the object your faith is in. So, we're going to get a winner this year, I don't know how cold it'll get. I'm not a meteorologist, never claimed to be. Though if you want me to give you the winter predictions, you can ask. I'll tell you it's gonna be winter. That's about as good as I can get it. It's probably better than the weatherman, right? But when winter comes in in some places and the lakes begin to freeze, and some of my northern folks can really understand this, I imagine if you lived there and you took up ice hockey or ice skating, you had to ensure that that lake or pond was frozen solid before you dared exercise your faith to get out on it and do your thing. And if you chose to go out there when all evidence told you there's not been a hard freeze, there's only a thin layer of ice on the lake because you've only had one cold night that got down below freezing you're putting at risk your life on that step of faith. But wouldn't it make a lot more sense that if you had the data, you had the evidence, you had things that that actually pointed to that made a lot more sense that you've had months of below freezing weather. It's not got above 32 in two months. I've got good confidence based upon the data, based upon the evidence, based upon where all the information is leading me, that that lake is pretty secure. And so now my step of faith is not a blind step of faith. It's actually an informed step of faith, is it not? I have more confidence in that lake, in holding me up. Gang, Christianity has a lot more evidence A lot more information that points to the truth and the reality that it sustains you, that it is a faith that can hold you up. It is the way, it is the truth, it is the life, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. And if you want to skate out on the thin ice of all the other world religions and the differing beliefs that are out there, well, by all means you can, but know that it will be to your peril. We all have faith. But we don't need to be mindless sheep who have simply, well, my preacher said, well, my preacher said. I'm okay with you quoting what your preacher said, but please don't take what I said as just truth. Dig it out for yourself. Do your homework. Check the temperature. See if that pond really is frozen. So I invite you all today, and everyone watching via the uh, Roku channels and the internet and podcasts, investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. Investigate the arguments that have been put forth about His life, His death, His burial, and most importantly, His resurrection. Take a temperature test on that. See if that's not solid. See if you can't put your faith in that. This is, what the, this is what the writer is arguing. This is the whole point of Hebrews because he recognizes that some people in that church gathering have some buddies who are going back into the world or they're going back into the world they knew, which in their case was Judaism. And they're trying to implore their buddies to come with them. And these buddies are sort of on the fence, and they're not really believers. And they've been there, and they've grown up in the faith, and they have all this head knowledge, but there's no heart transformation that's made its way into life. They're not truly stepping out on the ice, if you will. They're not truly exercising complete trust and surrender in who Jesus is. And so they're thinking, well, maybe I should go back into that which I know and just keep cruising comfortable. And so the whole argument to this point has been, no, guys, Take that step. Trust what Christ has done for you. Trust who God is. He will sustain you. You know, according to Josh McDowell, when it comes to faith, we are witnessing the last Christian generation. Only one-third of church-going teenagers, one-third, guys, one-third, 33% of our people say, the church will play a role in their future lives. Do you know how many people... And again, listen to me, naive parent. Naive parent, I'm talking to you. If you're not a naive parent, then I'm not talking to you. So don't get mad at me later because I, 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 you think I offended you. Naive parent, I'm talking to you. You think Johnny or Susie... Is okay because she's gone to church all her life. He's gone to church all his life. My Johnny went to Christian school. My Susie was homeschooled. When you take and turn them over to the wolves of the university, don't be shocked. When they come home and they want nothing to do with your faith. Oh, they'll still come. They'll still go to Grandma's house for the potluck dinner afterwards because they know that's what you want and they know that's because you're, you're less educated than they are now. Now, they won't ever say this and they may not even realize this is the understanding of this. But statistics don't lie. Two plus two is four every time, guys. I'm just saying Why are they walking away from the faith? I believe it's the same argument that's been made in Hebrews. I believe it's because there's been false conversions in the church. I think there's a lot of people who think they're saved on their way to heaven, but they've never truly been born again. The Spirit of God is not alive within them. They've never experienced new birth. but they've gone to church all their life if your child and I'm saying this because I got four and I know the propensities and the sin slants of my children they got them honest and not from Allison she's she was raised bright she's got good parents over here (laughs) you like that little in-law slide (laughs) set right there they gotta take me out to eat later I gotta be careful just kidding Look, I say this because I know this. My own children have sin slants. They have a propensity. They have a tendency to love things other than God. Does your children have that tendency? Is there something in their life that's more important than God? I know what my household's problem is. I, I, trust me, by God's grace, by God's grace, we're begging and pleading with Him to help us in the raising of those children. And I know you are too. This message is to encourage you, not tear you down. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But guys, do not bury your head in the sand. Do not think that just because we homeschool Christian school, our kids go to church all the time, that they're okay. Young person... Let me ask you a question. Let me me talk to you for a second. It's okay. Let me make the statement first. It's okay to struggle in your faith. That's the whole point of Hebrews. They're struggling in their faith. If you're not struggling in your faith, then you don't have a secure faith. So wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. Because this walk of faith, this growing in Christ is all about us wrestling through the struggles of life. And so if you've got question teenager, young person, you have concerns, you have doubts, you have beliefs that are differing from your parents, engage them. Share with them. Ask. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your youth pastor. We're not going to bite your head off and send you out the door and say, "Where's well, God believe it's in there? You just go on and believe it. No, guys. God's a God of reason. He says, come, let us reason together. But our faith is worth investigating. And I can tell you, I was sold a, lot, a bunch of lies as a young person. I love to engage the Christian kids, especially the Christian school kids. Oh man, I had a field day with him at the party. Some of y'all got that, didn't you? It's okay to struggle in your faith. The best men of faith struggled. The best men of faith struggle. but that's part of the, the walk. It's that we might grow. It's that we might stay stuck in a situation for a while until the circumstances come into our life that push us and press us and and cause us to search for, to draw near, not turn and walk away from. So let God have His way in this moment, but turn to Him to find the answer. And turn to those that you know have a proven history of loving you. Your family. Your church family. Your pastors. God has placed us in your life as those who watch for your souls. As people who will have to one day give an a account. Guys, I will one day stand before a holy, all-powerful God and I will answer for every one of your lives. I do not dare want to stand there in that day, and I don't even know. I know I won't be standing. I'll be laying flat on my face. I don't want to have to say, well, I had an opportunity to warn them, but I didn't. I had an opportunity to plead with them and beg with them to to really come and check and investigate the claims of Christ. I I had the opportunity to plead with them to stop playing the game and wearing the mask and, and, and get real with God, but I didn't. I didn't want to offend them. I didn't want to make them mad. I didn't want to step on their toes. Uh, I, I wanted them to like me. That's not my place, guys. My place here is to speak the truth in love, and that's what I desire to do. One-third of the church-going teenagers say the church will, play a role, will not play a role in their future lives. According to pollsters George Barnes, 63% of teens do not believe Jesus is God's Son. And most of these polls come from the households of faith. 60% of all faiths, in this case, all faiths, this is what they believe, this is what they ask a bunch of Christian kids. According to pollsters, 60% believe all faiths teach equally valid truths. Wow. Wow. So these people blowing up people praising Allah is the equally valid truth that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Yet that same book says Jesus was just a prophet and He didn't really die on the cross. But yet your book says that Jesus was God, that He was the Son of God, He was God incarnate, that He did die on a cross, And was actually in the grave three days and then rose victorious over death because these claims are different we've got to investigate them 51% do not believe Jesus rose from the dead but I'm a Christian I'm a Christian but let me get this right so you don't believe he really rose physically bodily from the dead nope but I'm a Christian it's metaphorical it's like the Phoenix what? my wife's at home going anyway 66% do not believe Satan or the Holy Spirit exists newsflash this is from beyond belief these are statistics from the late 90s early 2000 <laughs> I hate to see what they are now guys this ought to be a sobering look at faith we all have it. The question is, in what? Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and we see this here, and I know what time it is. I want to look at two things as we unpack this. What faith is, verse 1, and what faith does, verse 2. What faith is and what faith does. Notice, um, let's go back, I want you to see this, because again, this gives us the, the, the context and understanding uh, of what's going on here. Remember we talked about the Hebrews 10 passage, the just shall live by faith. Notice the Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice these words. Full assurance. Until the end. Through faith inherit the promises you see the writer has been writing and pleading with his audience and now he's giving them a full illustration in chapter 11 of this full assurance of hope until the end you want to know saving faith you want to know what saving faith is it's what the writer saying you want to know what saving faith is you want to be a good Jew You're thinking about converting back to Judaism? Look, that's not the answer. Follow those who exemplified saving faith in God. Okay, let me give you some good Jews. Let me give you some examples of those who persevered unto the end. They didn't receive the promises. They died before they received the promise. But that doesn't negate the promise. Christ is that promise. Christ is that fulfillment. It's the not yet, but yet to come. And isn't that the Christian faith? Yes, we know we've been justified. We know we're in the process of being sanctified. But we've not yet been glorified. Now, not yet. Right? I mean, this, this is the concept in salvation that's understood. And so, as we see this, as we look through these pages, when we think about faith is the substance... Of things hoped for. You want to know what the substance was the Old Testament people hoped for? Jesus Christ. The evidence of things not seen. Guess what? Everything they wrote down and penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit spoke to who Jesus Christ was. Remember, Christ said this when he was on earth. Remember when the, the road to Emmaus, so he was walking from there and, and, the, and the, those, those uh, disciples were walking and he opens to their understanding from the writings of Moses that the writings of Moses were about him. The writer of Hebrews has just went through the temple practices. He's just talked about at length the different uh, uh, things used within the temple. The tent of meeting, the holy of holies, the, the, the uh, incense, uh, uh, the, the altar, the, all of these things were shadows and types that pointed to the substance, which was Jesus Christ. So he's been making this argument. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love this quote from Homer Kent. Steadfast endurance in the face of obstacles is the evidence of true faith. Are you facing some stuff? Are you facing some struggles? Are you facing some junk in your life? Are you feeling the pull and the tug of the world to turn your back on your faith as you know it? Are you feeling the pressure, young person, of people who are professing Christians that are sucking you down in, into, into things that you know you should have no part or play in? Adult, are you also feeling that tug of complacency and apathy? Or are you feeling the struggle and the battle? Or are, you, are you battling with, with some issues in, of life? Steadfast endurance in the face of obstacles is the evidence of true faith. Recognize we are pilgrims in this world. We recognize that though we may not, as is in this list of examples, we may be the Enoch who goes into the presence of God. We may be the one who gets sawn in two. And that's what I love about this list is you see a variety of people in this list. There's no promise of deliverance. Don't buy into these false definitions of faith that says, bless God, you could have been healed, but you didn't have enough faith. That's a lie straight from the pit. Faith is not a source of power that we somehow drum up. No, faith is the vehicle, it's the instrument that God has provided for us. But it's anchored in who He is. It's anchored in His will be done. And sometimes His will is not that healing. Sometimes His will is suffering for His namesake. Because the end result of that, because God knows the big picture, is for our good and His Glory. Only faith sees us through those obstacles. And there are many examples who've gone before us that understand that. Two main points so far. The writer's been making these two points who Jesus is. And what he's accomplished. Now let that sink in for a second. That's the whole argument up to this point. Who Jesus is. He's superior. He's high priest. He's the intercessor. I mean, think about all the things he's argued about who Jesus is. And then what he's accomplished. It's finished. He's brought in a new covenant. So what faith is. Or, said another way, what is faith? No, it's not just my daughter. Faith is... Here's, here's the definition of faith. The assurance of things hoped for. That's what it says, right? Now, this isn't an exhaustive definition. If you want an exhaustive definition of faith, you're going to have to go to various passages of Scripture to compose that full, full understanding. But here in the context the assurance of things hoped for. And again, we understand those Old Testament people were looking for the Messiah. That uh, that is uh, Jesus Christ. We also see the conviction of things not seen. You know, the idea here is, and and many of you uh, and and many commentaries have cited this is is the case, and you can kind of maybe understand this. My home is at 112 Woodard Lane. Y'all come see me sometime. 112 Woodard Lane. And my name is on the title. My name is on the deed, that showing that the house belongs to me. I possess that house. That is my home. But there's coming a future day where it's paid in full, right? Now I know the illustrations break down, but the idea here is somewhat like this, but almost a little reverse. It's not a reverse mortgage, by the way. But, uh, (laughs) folks, anyway, I won't go there. Save that for the Dave Ramsey class, right? Yeah, okay. Jesus is paid in full. So it's paid in full. Your name, if you're a believer in Christ, is written down. It's on the title deed, it's in the Lamb's Book of Life and He's made you a promise, and one day He is going to fulfill that final payment, if you will, when He steps foot, when He returns, when He takes you home, you will fully receive that paid in full in understanding. Does that make sense? The conviction of things not seen. Guys, our faith should be anchored in substance. It should be anchored in truth. It's because of who God is. It's because of what He's accomplished for us that we can have great confidence. He's been telling us this in the book. And so therefore, I can walk by faith through the midst of obstacles and persecutions and trials and tribulations, not because of my abilities, but because of who He is, because of what He's accomplished, because of His promises. Faith is being assured and convinced of things promised not yet fully received. And again, he's already told us this. He gave us example in the Hebrews 10.34 passage when he said, For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. So the writer's already made that argument to them before. He says, look, you remember when people came in and messed with you stuff and took you stuff? You were good with it. You were good with it. Why were you good with it? Because you had confidence that you know what? This world's not my home. These things, this is not, look, this is where moth and rust and thieves take. This isn't my home. That's my home. And so you were able to endure that. And he's making the same argument here. Have the conviction have that faith, have that understanding of substance because of who Christ is, because of what He's accomplished, so that no matter what comes our way, Christian, we can, by God's grace, not draw back like some to perdition who never truly were born again, but Christian, we can, by faith, exercise that faith and step forward in walking, not by sight, but by trust and obedience. So... Biblical faith? Saving faith? You see, biblical faith is not blind. It's grounded faith. It's anchored in evidence, promises, and proof. Now sometimes it may be measured by what the eye sees, but not always. Listen to this quote here. And and I'm sorry, the name just left me and I didn't write it down. Shame on me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, his name is Stanley. It's not Stan Lee. I had a picture of him up this week on my Facebook, but it's not that Stanley. Um, To help his readers to hang on in difficult times, this is why this was written, urging them to exercise and keep exercising a persevering, hopeful, not dependent on sight sort of faith. That was the sort of faith that their spiritual ancestors, the people of old, in verse 2, exhibited. And which resulted in their being commended by God. That was the sort of faith that was needed now by these struggling readers. Verse 2 of that Hebrews 11 said this, For by it, what's that? The faith. Faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. A good report. No, Scott Lindsay just came to me. Well, Nothing like Stan Lee. Sorry. Scott Lindsay was the name. This is the point of what the author of Hebrews is is saying. This is what he's writing about. He's writing to encourage the readers that no matter how hard it is, Biblical faith, saving faith, is anchored in who God is and He is very real. He's a very present help in the time of need. Conclusion. What faith is. Hope in the person and promise of God. Again, we talked about it in the beginning, your faith is only as good as what it's anchored in. Hope in the person and promises of God. If you're struggling in your faith, look to the author and finisher of your faith. Just as the writer Hebrews pleaded, I'm pleading with you, look to Jesus Christ. What faith does, faith produces an abiding hope that endures till the promise is received. Let me say that again. What faith does, it produces an abiding hope that endures till the promise is received. Christian, you're not home yet. And this world is not your home. We are simply passing through. Let's keep our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Because there's a lot of fiery darts coming our way. There's a lot of things that are pulling at us to walk away from the faith. Examine ourselves. See if we're in the faith. Romans 1, 17 says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, what's that, the gospel? The righteousness of God is revealed. From faith, Old Testament saint, to faith, New Testament saint, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You're struggling in your faith? Here's your prescription. Right? Crane, Crane gives out prescriptions, right? This is Pastor Jeremy gives out prescriptions too. Here's mine. Write this down. I recommend you take it at least three times a day. Or we'll start off with one if you can, okay? If you're struggling in your faith, here's your, here's your remedy. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Intake. 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 Outflow. 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 Fitzhugh said this There can be those times when our minds are in doubt, times when we ask what our faith is about, but we can believe Him. We know that He cares, for our God is real, as the Bible declares. Let's pray. Father, Lord, there's never enough time in a day to uh, do justice to these texts and and truly exhaust and explain and delve in and find the richness and and meaning that is so here in in, in this wellspring of life called your Word. Lord, help us. I don't know where folks are in their struggles and their battles, but I pray, Lord, that today... Your Spirit will lead them and nudge them into what's needed. Lord, for myself, my own home, for my children. Lord, You know. And for the countless homes represented here, Lord, You know. May we not shrink back, but Lord, may we draw near. And with that drawing near, gain full assurance of hope because we recognize that our faith is anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. And He has kept His promise in His first coming, and He will keep His promise in His second coming. May we persevere. May we, as the just, shall we live by faith. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.